I uh, lost my voice Friday, so you're going to have to bear with me. <laughs> but uh, decided that I was going to preach anyway, voice or no voice. I'm going to make it happen. So it doesn't really matter to me. As long as there's still breath in my lungs, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. So you might have to listen in, but that's okay. That makes sure it's the Holy Spirit and not me. It won't be emotional because I can't really inflect or anything. So you get what you get. Uh, but, man, it, it's, a, it's an honor not only to present the word to you guys, but to be ordained. And it's been, it's been an honor to, to serve here. And again, this is not like, you know, we're out and you're never going to see us again. No, we'll be back. But I just want to say that, you know, it, it is really an honor to be here. It's an honor that you guys have trusted us with your kids. Uh, they are amazing kids. And so it was not lightly that, that we take this, but like a, we explained to the youth that this was beyond just like a, well, we think this is going to be good for us, so we got to go. Uh, originally, I actually said no. I was asked, and I said no. I said, I can't go. I won't go. I said, I got, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm connected with these youth. I'm doing pretty good. I, I can't go. And then it took a little while, and God had to kind of deal with me that this was, this is what we know that God has asked us to do. And so if I would have stayed, even though it would have made it easier, in theory, it would have made it easier, it would have been the wrong decision. Pastor Paul says it a lot. Sometimes the, the good decision and the right decision, most of the time is the hard decision. And so we know without a doubt that God is going to do, God's going with us. He asked us to go. And so as hard as, hard as it was, and as much as there may be some unknowns, we said yes. We said yes. So we're going to be obedient and do what he asks us to do. And if he'll show up and be faithful on my end, then he'll show up and he'll be faithful to CCAM. He'll show up and he'll be faithful to these students. That the shoes will be filled. That it will be better. We didn't make this thing anything because of who we were. We just listened to the voice of God. And so as long as you guys as a church do that, this will be better for everybody. Not just for me, it'll be better for everybody. And so I just want to thank you, church. It has been an honor. And again, I just ask that you bear with me. may have to repeat, may have to pause a little bit, but we're going to get through it. <clears throat> so, for those of you that know me pretty well, or at least somewhat decently, y'all know I like food. I like to eat. I like food. Thank you. So I thought about something, and I've kind of referenced this before, but I'm going to do it in a different manner. But those of you that like to eat, which I'm assuming is most everybody. Oh, okay, no response. All right, cool. It's going to be a good day. Can y'all hear me? Is it okay? All right. They got it cranked way up. I know they do. Y'all like to eat? Yeah. Okay. Anybody like steak? Yeah. Yeah. So if we're talking steak. There's probably a handful of places that you like to go to get a really good steak. Like there's some, there's some steak. You can go to Taco Bell and get steak. I mean, you can. You can go to Taco Bell and get steak. Or you can go to Two John's and get a steak. So if you got the choice between Two John's or Taco Bell, what are you going to choose? Taco Bell. That's kids church pastor right there. That's exactly right. You go on Taco Bell. But if you have the choice... You're going to take two Johns, right? If it is within your power and your ability to grab it, you're going to take that. So what if I said, okay, what if I said, let's cook a steak? I didn't bring a steak. I thought about it. I really did. 
and I was going to cook it, but I decided not to. It'd be kind of weird. But what if we took a steak and we said, okay, it's a steak, right? What's the best cut of a steak? The filet. All right, that was the overwhelming response I got. If you're a ribeye person, you're too quiet, so I don't think you are. So it's a filet, all right? You take a filet. Filet's really nice and tender, right? You get a nice filet, and we're going to cook it up well, okay? So I'm going to ask you to imagine with me that we're going to cook this right here. And let's say I was set up, I was prepared to cook it, and I took this filet, and let's say that we got, I don't know, let's go all the way to the top. We got a Wagyu filet. And we took the Wagyu filet, and we said, you know, we're going to cook it. We want to cook to perfection. So we're going to take this filet, this bad dude, and we're going to pop it in the microwave for about two minutes. And we're going to cook this filet. Nobody wants that steak anymore. It doesn't matter what steak it is. It could even be from Taco Bell. When you microwave it, it ain't right. But it's interesting. Y'all with me on that? The steak hit home? It did? It's interesting, though, that when we get into the spiritual realm, we want God to microwave our solutions for us and get it out without going through the process and without actually going through something to where it can actually be done better and done right to where it is what it's supposed to be. We just ask God, hey, we want breakthrough. We want breakthrough. We want breakthrough. And I'm telling you, that is like a key word in church right now. And I just want to tell you that breakthrough is not something that you really want. It's the equivalent to a microwave steak. It's still a steak. You could eat it. But it's not what you want. It's good in the moment. You get a, a microwave meal. They're good. Why? Because you didn't have to take the time to pull the pot out, to put it on the stove, to cook the thing, to prep the meat, to actually marinate it and do all that. You don't have to do any of that. Somebody did that for you. So you just pop it in the microwave, hit the button and walk off while you do something else. You come back and it's done. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't work in miracles. I'm not saying that. If you've encountered a miracle, you've experienced a miracle, you've ever prayed for somebody and they got a miracle, that is 100% God. I am not discounting miracles and God can do miraculous things. But I'm here to tell you that breakthrough happened one time. One time. Once. Let me tell you how it went. It went a little something like this. In my Bible, it says that Jesus, who knew no sin, right? Perfect. The Son of God. He knew no, knew no sin, but he became sin for us. And a lot of times we stop right there. I like to take the scripture and kind of imagine what this would be like. And you can't imagine it from an earthly perspective. You have to imagine this is Jesus in heaven with God in heaven. And he says, hey, look. God says, look, we, we got to make a plan. We made humans. We love humans, but we can't connect with them. We got to do something. And so he reveals this plan between him and Jesus. And Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to do it. So he sends Jesus, right? We know the story. He was born from Mary, lives a human life, 100% human and 100% God. That doesn't work in statistics by earthly means, but in God's world it works. 100% both. 100% both. So he says, look, I got this. So he comes and he, he is in the form of a man. He grows up as a human, faces the same trials and things that we do, but he lives a perfect, blameless life. He got the, the plan from his father in heaven. From his father in heaven. Got the plan. Comes to earth. For three years does ministry. Then he gets down to probably the roughest night of his life. 
Second roughest, I guess. Second roughest night of his life. He goes to the garden with the people that he trusted the most and said, look, my father's plan is fixing to unfold. I need you to come with me. I need you to pray with me. I need you to help me. He's 100% God. He says, I need some help with this. So he pushes in further. And he seeks God. And not once, but three times. There's the man that okayed the plan in the beginning. The man that made the plan from the beginning. The man who knew every step of the plan, knew the end of the plan. Three times. Said, Father, I don't want to do this. I mean, if you get real with it, that's what he said. He said, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. But if this is the plan, and this is how it's supposed to go, then let your will be done. Then let your will be done. Three times. And he faces the cross. And see, here's the perfect thing about it, is that we look at it and we say, well, why, did, why couldn't everybody see the plan? Well, that's easy for us to say. We're on this side of the plan. It's real easy. We, we know what happened. It's written. It's history. It's recorded. We know it. They didn't know. You want me to tell you who, who I think feels the worst about not knowing? Satan. Because, boy, if he'd have known the plan, if he would have known the plan, he would have left him alone. And he said, no. He'd have broke everything that looked like a cross. We can't use this. He wouldn't even use death. But death's his right-hand man, and so he looks at Jesus, who knew no sin, but became sin, became flesh and blood for us, and he said, if he's in the form of a man, I can kill man, so I can kill God. You follow me? So he says, okay, I got this, because think about it, if he knew the plan from the beginning, he wouldn't have messed up from the very beginning, so he doesn't know the plan. Never knows God's plan. It's above him. He can't. So he does his best to kill him. He kills him. Right? So he wins, you're right? Yay, killed Jesus. He knew no sin but became sin for us. Guess what happened? What really needed to happen was there needed to be a breakthrough. So Jesus really said this. He said, look, here's what I'm fixing to do. I'm going to go hang out with the humans, and I'm going to go undercover, and I'm going to get into hell the only way that you can. Because if you're perfect, you can't get in. If you don't have sin, you can't get in. But if you become an imperfect human being, if I trade places with them, then I can walk in the front door like I'm supposed to be there. And as soon as he shows up, as soon as Satan realizes what he had done, he walks in and he says, here I am. I've broken through the gates. Now everyone else can follow behind me. It's not about breakthrough anymore. He broke through already. Now it is time for you to pick up and fight and do what he called you to do. He led the way and that was breakthrough. After that, it was here. The authority. I'm going to skip around a little bit. I'm sorry. I gave them some verses and I didn't read none of them yet. <laughs> I'm just trying to paint a picture for you. In Luke chapter nine, verses one and two, he has the disciples together and he gives them all authority to go out and cast out demons, heal the sick. That's exactly what he did. After he broke through the gates, he actually took everything that Satan had. He took it from him and said, because you, because you allowed me to come in, because I came in undercover, I'm not the only one that can come back. I'm giving the keys to death, hell, and the grave to every believer that I've swapped places with. So if you are a believer, you have all authority under heaven and above hell to do the word and the will of God in your life. And if you say, well, sometimes we use a, a verse in Revelation, to talk about, like, winning. 
I'm going to challenge you that we need to change our mind from breakthrough. Because, again, God can do a miracle in your life, and there can be a moment where he shows up and it is powerful. But I think we need to change our thinking from breakthrough and a one-time thing to overcoming. So my title is Overcomer, because you are an overcomer. You are an overcomer. That signifies that there's still some work to be done, but you will overcome. You will overcome. And so if you go to Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, in the NIV, it says they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. It's two parts to overcoming. The first one's been done for you. The blood of the lamb, that's already done. Done. The blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. The second part rests on you. And this is why it can't just be breakthrough. The breakthrough's done. Now you have to overcome the word of your testimony. Will you stand and tell people what he's done for you? Will you talk about the things that he's done in your life? Will you talk about the miracle that he performed for you? Will you let people understand the God that you serve and love because he loved you first? Will you understand that this is not about a breakthrough moment? This is about living a life of overcoming. It's not overcoming one time. You don't just overcome. It's like if you are a a heavyweight boxer champion. The only reason that they can call them a champion is because they beat everybody else. You don't get a champion because you beat the little guy. They don't give you the belt for that. You can look at it. You might even get close enough to smell it one time and it probably stinks. But you don't get the belt unless you have proven your worth. You have proven your weight. You have proven that you can step in the ring, look at anybody across the thing and said, you know what? I trained for this. This is my fight. You came here to lose. I came to win. This is my fight. And I'm not just going to sit here and hope that that guy forfeits. Because if we get real, when we're hoping for a breakthrough in in American Christianity, we're really hoping that Satan just quits. Because we don't want to get in the fight. We don't want to get in the fight. Well, Jesus is fighting for me, so I I I I don't have to. And we, we try to get away from it. We, we just, we're waiting on breakthrough, but we're waiting on it over here. We're waiting on it over here. Yeah. Sorry, camera guy. Waiting on breakthrough, but we're going to wait for it over here. Why? Because you know, that's, that's up to Jesus. It's a cop-out. It's a cop-out. Yes, Jesus has all authority and all power, but he gave it to you as well. And he said, do something with it. Everybody good? Yeah. Y'all listening? Yeah. Breakthrough. Man, we, we got songs that have breakthrough in them. I've asked for breakthrough. And then I got a revelation, and I was like, boy, that, that's really something. Let me put it to you another way. Your practical application. How many of you have kids? How many of you have kids in school or either have been through school? Okay. So you are the parent. So you know everything. Insert laughter here. Okay. All right. So you know everything. You are the parent. They come home. Let's go, let's go really modern for maybe the, the younger parents. Your kid comes home from third grade with common core math homework. You have gone through school yourself. <laughs> You've done some math. And really, third grade, like, come on, they can't even tie their shoes all the time. I got this math problem. And you look at the math problem, you go, I don't know, what are they doing? I don't understand. Yeah. It looks like it's in a different language. It's common core, some weird stuff. But then we help them anyways, right? Yeah. I mean, it's what we're supposed to do. We're going to try. <laughs> we're going to try. But picture this. Let's say that your kid goes through school, all right? 
But every time they take a test, every time they take a quiz, anytime the homework is done, it has to be done by you. Not them, by you. They don't even go to school on quiz day. You go. They got a test? You got a test. They don't even take it. Everything the teachers are teaching their kids, they're not teaching them anymore, they're teaching you. What does that do for your kids? Sets them up for failure. Because they don't learn the things that they need to learn. they got to start in kindergarten with the common core stuff. And they start teaching them this way to learn. So that when they get into first grade, they've mastered what needs to happen in kindergarten. They move to first grade. Y'all with me? All the way basic. Why do we think that our Heavenly Father doesn't work the same way? You have faith that you're supposed to use. But if He shows up every time and does it, you never get to grow your faith because you've never put it to work. You've never learned the things that you were supposed to learn in faith pre-K, so you can't go to first grade because you don't even understand what they're talking about. So you got things that you're saying, we're believing for God. Are you really believing? Or are you just saying that and basically making a faith wish list? I want all this, Jesus. I got nothing to work with, but I want all this. This would be nice. I want to have this. I want to check this box. If you're not working your faith, it's a wish list. It's a wish list. I wish this would happen in my life. And the Bible never says you should wish for anything. It says to pray. And it says that the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That means you got to know some stuff. You got to know what you're saying. You got to know what you're praying. You've got to plant that seed of faith. He references that as a mustard seed. You have to plant it. And when it doesn't look like much, you have to grow it and you have to take care of it and you have to water it. And if he showed up for the mustard seed, then eventually you can start showing up for some more things. Eventually you can put better seed out. But if you don't understand the basics of faith, you're making a wish list. He talks about it all the time. And then we get into a trial. And we just we don't want it anymore. Well, I was praying for faith. I was asking God to increase my faith. But then this came out of nowhere. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Well, if you get in your Bible and you go to my favorite book of all time, James. James. If you've never read James, you can read it all in about probably 15 minutes. But I would ask that you ask the Holy Spirit to read it with you because he's going to show you some things and it's going to be cool. Because in my Bible, in James chapter 1, it says, consider it pure joy when everything's going well. No, it says, consider it pure joy when you face trials and tribulations. Because the testing of your faith is what builds your character. The testing is what actually proves it to be true. If it's not tested, you can't say it's faith. If your faith isn't tested, it's not faith. Everybody that ever had faith or there was a great move of faith, there was a testing. There was a process they had to go through and it had to be proved that it was true. And if it can be shaken from you, then you don't really believe it. But if you say, I can stand up to this process and I can make it through this thing, I can put my faith on it. And God showed up back then, so he'll show up now. And I put my faith in Jesus and I take that next step. I may not know the answer. I may not have the answer, but I'm going to go because he said so. I'm going to do because he said so. I'm going to say because he said so. That's when you work your faith. Right. You put it to work. Right. Right. Yeah, it gets tough. Yep. It gets tough. Yep. But when it gets tough, there's one other thing that he says. Sorry, I hadn't even looked at my notes yet. <laughs> yeah. 
It gets tough, right? Anybody ever been through some tough stuff? In Ephesians, pull this scripture up. I gave this one to y'all. I've been jumping all over. I'm sorry. I've been, this has been months of God just showing me this. And really, like the Holy Spirit was kind of preaching it to me. It was really cool. I just can't preach it how he did because there was times I was supposed to get louder and whatnot. But it's okay. In Ephesians chapter 6. Anybody know what happens in Ephesians chapter 6? It's okay. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll read it to you. It says this. You got it pulled up? Uh-huh. They do. Ain't that nice? It's crisp and clear. Yeah. yeah, we like that. Thank you. However we got the new projector, it is amazing. Thank you. So, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You ready? Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. You guys picking up on this pattern yet? It has repeated everything. Everything. Stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. With which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is Ephesians chapter six. And he says, listen, here's what you're gonna have to do. You need to stand strong in God's mighty power and put on the full armor of God. And then also put on the full armor of God. He, he tagged it back, back to back. Why? Because it's important. It is super important that you put on the full armor of God. The full armor of God, when you go through everything, it covers you from head to toe and gives you a weapon. It does both. It's offensive and defensive. And we got a lot of people that got some salvation, but they don't have nothing else. Got their head protected, but some of the ways that people be thinking, it'd probably be better if it wasn't. Let's just be honest. Y'all, y'all, y'all picking up on this? Let it sink in. You got to have the full armor of God. But if we're waiting on breakthrough and breakthrough is something from God, what do we need armor for? You don't. If Jesus was supposed to do everything, we wouldn't even have this book because it wouldn't be up to us. So we can't be waiting on breakthrough. It has to be about overcoming. He broke through and he said, here, go overcome. Because Jesus himself said, take heart, I have overcome the world. He fought harder than anybody else had to. He endured some stuff that we don't even want to think about. And he did it. But he says, put this whole armor on and then stand your ground. And when you've done everything that you think is physically possible for you to do, 
You stay standing. You still stand. It doesn't matter how many times he attacks you. It doesn't matter how much you thought you've done. You stand your ground. Why? Because you are rooted and grounded in the truth. And it doesn't matter what comes against you. You let them wear themselves out on the shield of faith. You block the attack until you know exactly when you're supposed to strike. And that comes because you know the word of God. If you're going to wield the weapon, you better know it. You can't go into battle and become a sword expert if you ain't never picked up a sword. So if you've never been through the word, you might be using some faith, but you don't know how to attack him. So he keeps hitting you and keeps hitting you. Instead of you wearing him out, he's wearing you out. Because you're waiting on breakthrough instead of overcoming. If you get a picture, a mental picture of overcoming, and you know that you are an overcomer, then you'll say, you know what? You can keep hitting me because I'm letting you wear yourself out on my faith because I know who's behind the faith. So I'm standing strong in his mighty power, not mine. And as soon as I see a weakness, I take the sword, which is the word of God, and I put it directly where it's supposed to go because it pierces every single thing. Sharper than any sword. It goes exactly where it's supposed to and it never returns void. So you can come at me if you want to. But just know I'm an overcomer and you're not. You can come at me if you want to, but I've got the full armor. And when you think I've stood everything I can stand, I'm going to stand some more. Because I'm going all the way to the end. And I'm going to take you out because I know that they overcome by the blood of the Lamb which is done and the word of my testimony. Testimony happens after. So I'm going to hold on till the after. Because in the after, I'll tell my story. That I stood strong. I stayed in the fight. I did what I was supposed to. I kept the faith. I grew my faith. It went from believing that Jesus could touch my dog in kindergarten. I mean, come on, you ever work in kids' church? We got we to gotta do prayer requests. That's a scary place to ask for prayer requests. Just forewarning. They know everything from your dog got sick to some stuff that you didn't want them to share. And let's be honest. But really, as silly as it is, when we think about it with kids, yes, Jesus can absolutely hear your dog. Absolutely. And if in kindergarten they have this memory that, you know what, my dog was real sick. But then something happened. It was crazy. It was almost like magic. Like we prayed and then Fido was better. I couldn't think of a more generic name, so Fido it is. And Fido was better. That's going to put something in their memory. You know what, if we pray and we ask God for this and it's something that's in his will, then we can consider it done. So then they move on. And so we should, take, we should stop thinking that some of these prayers are silly. Maybe we need to go back to the basics. You need to believe God for some little stuff before you start asking God to take some stuff that you're meant to fight through. You need to take some little stuff and say, you know what, God, I trust you with this part. Because my Bible says that if I tithe, then you'll rebuke the devourer for my sake. So maybe I'll start there. And then I'll move on to something else. Because if it's not tested, then it's not faith. If it's not tested, it's not faith. And I really like looking at breakthrough. I'm telling you, this was something that because I've said it a lot. It's in songs, like I said earlier. And I really at first I was kind of like, but no, that, that that's real. Like, that's a real thing. And it is a real thing. But then I started looking. There is no verse in the Bible that talks about breakthrough. There's none. I looked. I Googled it even. If Google doesn't know, then we're not finding it. It's not in there. You can find some similar stuff. Usually they'll give you like, oh, they broke through. And you read it, you're like, oh, there it is. Oh, no, it was a military plan. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm, weird. It's a military plan. It was about a fight. Right. Well, then there's got breakthrough in it. That's weird. But even when I went to Revelation 12, I thought, surely 
if it was going to be a place where it says, and they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, which is the verse that I know. I thought that was in IV. And IV says triumph. So then I started looking at different versions. I said, well, maybe this is it. You can find overcame, triumphed, conquered, defeated, gained victory, not breakthrough. All of those would be words that you would use to describe a fight. Triumphed. Means there was a, a contest, but somebody triumphed. Conquered. Means there was a fight, but somebody conquered. Defeated. Same thing. Same thing. So I said, okay. Maybe this is what it is. And so I thought about it and I said, well, okay. Well, if that's the case, a lot of times we'll hear, you know, you need to wait on the Lord. And I think sometimes we can have a little bit of confusion there because that is scriptural. So you say, well, breakthrough's not in there, but it does say to wait on the Lord. Well, it does. Any of y'all like steak? Been there before. We already asked that question. Where are you going to get a good steak? A restaurant? Guess who brings your food? A waiter or a waitress, their entire purpose is to serve you. So if you are supposed to wait on God, it doesn't say for God, it says wait on God. I'll read it to you. I'll read it to you. Isaiah 40, verse 30 and 31. I'll show it to you. You ready? Even the youths. I'm going to start using that now, the youths. Youths, man, S on it. Youths. It's biblical. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It said, those who wait on the Lord. If you've ever been to a restaurant and got some really bad service, it would still be better than the way that Christians wait on Jesus. Think about it. They at least... Every now and again, but like, oh, hey, I forgot to get that refill. Let me get it for you. Like, yeah, I've been waiting 30 minutes. We're off on the sideline watching Jesus do his thing going, we'll do something if he asks. I've had some bad service. I don't know that I've ever had anybody that didn't do anything until I asked them to. Think about it. Wait on the Lord. If you're waiting, that means that you are serving because that's what a waiter or a waitress does. They serve you. So if you're going to serve and it says wait on God, that means that you are supposed to serve him. What does that mean? That means, for one, you're always looking. Okay, he doesn't he done take two sips out of his water. Hey, you want some more water? On top of it, Jesus ain't going to ask you, you want some more water? You need another steak? I'll get him to cook you another one. May not even be something you can do, but you'd ask. If you really get in, down into it, when you serve God, then you do exactly what he did. And you say, I saw what he did, so I know what's coming next, so I'm going to help him prepare the next step. So I'm going to serve him, do whatever he needs. I'm not waiting on him as if I'm waiting for him to ask. I'm waiting on him as if I already know what he needs, and I'm going to do my part to make sure the preparation is done, to make sure that when he says, hey, we need this, we need that, then I already know I've got the picture for the refill in my hand. I'm already on the way. I've got everything that he needs. Why? Because I know how to serve, because I look in the word, and I see what God has done. I see the way that he served me, and I do it exactly the same 
way. I serve him. Why? Because I'm waiting on him with expectation, with anticipation, with excitement. I'm waiting because I already know the end result. I'm not waiting because he asked me to. I'm waiting because I want to, because I get to, because it is an honor. It's a privilege and it is something that we should strive to do. I want to wait on you, Lord, meaning I'm going to be where you need me to be at the right time. I'm not waiting for you to ask for me to go. I'm going to go and bring you with me so that everywhere I go, I don't have to say, oh, Lord, what am I supposed to do here? He said, no, I'm just going to go. Why am I going to Walmart right now? I don't even need anything. I don't know. Let's find somebody that needs some prayer. And you pray with somebody. That looks like waiting on God. That looks like serving God. But if he's got to wait on you, he's probably going to find somebody else that says, God, I'm ready. I'm looking. I've been looking. I want to see with your eyes. I want a heart that burns with compassion just like yours. I want to do what you did. That's the person that God's going to say, all right, here's another piece of the plan. And somebody else is just going, what are you doing? I'm just waiting. Just waiting on him. There's a lot of scripture in this. One last verse I'm going to throw at you. It says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. Anybody ever heard that verse? Yeah, it's biblical. It's in the Bible. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. If you aren't stepping, there can be no order. If you are not stepping, there is no order. If you say, I'm just waiting on God, well, there's a bunch of scripture that says you're actually doing the wrong thing. Unless you're waiting on God, looks like anticipation. God, you going over here? Oh, no, this way? I'll be there first. Why? Because I'm waiting on him. I want to serve him. I want to do better. I want to do more. And that's exactly what it's about. So we need to get breakthrough out of our thing. Jesus broke through and he said, here, now you overcome. You can do it. Here's the picture of what it looks like. So I'm going to challenge you to really change your mentality of what you're looking for from God. Maybe what you're looking for from God, he's actually placed inside of you and he's waiting on you to rise up and be the person he's called you to be. He's waiting on you to put on the full armor. He's waiting on you to step into the ring and look at that devil that's attacked your family for generations and say, no more. You might have snuck past them, but you're not sneaking past me. You might have snuck past them, but you're not getting past me. Why? Because I am an overcomer. Because the part that had to be fulfilled is done. The blood of the lamb's already been spilled. It's already been paid for. So if I'm going to two Johns and somebody's buying a steak, I'm definitely getting the steak. So if I'm going to be an overcomer and it's already paid for, then I'm going to be an overcomer. Not because I said so, but because he did. That's what it's about. I am an overcomer. I am an overcomer. Put that on your mirror. Not your rearview mirror. But if you're driving, you shouldn't be paying attention to that one much anyways. It's also biblical. <laughs> Press on. Stand. And when you stood everything that you can stand, stand again. And stay standing. Stand again and stay standing. Stand again and stay standing. Because it's a very... Popular saying, but it's not about how you fall or how many times you fall. It's how many times you get back up. As long as you keep getting up, the devil can never win. You might not have a voice when you wake up. I'm still going to preach. Just turn it up. <laughs> I'm telling you, yesterday was rough. I, I really couldn't talk almost at all. I said, you know what? I don't care. I'll do it anyways. 
because it's an honor. And I just really hope that it inspires you to really dig into what the word says about your life because this applies to every area. I've not known one person that hasn't gone through some stuff. So if you're going through some stuff, Jesus left the promise for the disciples when he told them to go. He said, go. And then he said, but I'll be with you to the very end of the age. Meaning that as long as there's time, I'm with you. So until time ceases, you'll never be alone. Overcoming is not about being on your own and fighting this fight alone. Christianity is not about being alone. Breakthrough is a standalone thing. Overcoming is together. Why do we overcome? Because of Jesus. Then it ties you together. You're now tied together. Because of him, you can overcome. So because of Jesus, I am an overcomer. Amen? And that's all I've got to say, so stand. That's about it.